Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak with co-founder of Race Equality Matters and founder of The Collaboratory, Javid Thomas. We speak about what the charity sector, each charity and non-profit organisation and every individual can do to deliver greater racial equality. We speak about some of the practical steps that we can all take and why we need to do this. This episode builds on many of the previous episodes that we've recorded on the subject of equality, diversity and inclusion. And I strongly believe that the steps that Javid talks about are vital for our charities to thrive and to bring about what many hope for, a fairer society. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good, a fundraising platform which helps charities streamline and unlock small business sales fundraising via a supporter-friendly digital commercial participation solution. So small but mighty businesses can fundraise for causes they love and the charities can maximise this awesome, sustainable source of income. So without further ado, here is Javid Thomas speaking about Equality Matters. I'm delighted to be joined today by Javid Thomas, co-founder of Race Equality Matters and founder of The Collaboratory. Javid, welcome to Charity Chats. Good morning, lovely to meet you and a fantastic opportunity to share more with your wonderful audience. I know they're going to be very interested to hear what you have to say. I suppose my first question for you is, what is your background and what led you to found Race Equality Matters? So I've been in the sort of like, I guess, corporate charity partnerships for about 20 years. So, you know, tackling different issues. Um, And then the last 10 or so years, um, been much more focused on diversity and inclusion you know, that, that I guess that's become more on everyone's agenda. And um, what I've identified, where things are working, because if you look at the DNI space, has been the progress has been slow, whether you're talking right. about gender, race, et cetera, um, and, and other, other societal issues. So what makes a difference is collaboration. So it's not mm-hmm. one organisation or one charity doing it on their own. It's collaboration. And I think, interestingly, so I've, I've been doing this for about sort of seven or so years, but we notice now more charities are now collaborating. And I think that makes a greater difference. Um, so it's collaboration that makes a difference. And, and the collaboratory was created um, to tackle societal issues through collaboration. So nice. that's, the, that's the way it is. And then, sort of like, um, um, so I've tackled a mental health um, in, in the workplace, um, uh, years ago and this was a real taboo sub- subject so it's ending the stigma so mm. i say this is before the royals started talking about it and i think right. they, they yeah they, they did make an impact um Pri- prince william prince harry i think they they that was i think that was a, f- a couple of years ago wasn't it there was a lot more coverage around that yeah yeah so so, so I, I think that, that that was another catalyst um but so we started to do this work a couple of years before that uh, and, and what it was we knew organizations was you know started to accept we need to do more for our stuff and their well-being there's been lots of things going on, but you know, people were getting iller and iller o- o- over mm. over time, or not being supported. So what we did is created a collaboration, which included corporates and charities, including Mind and Samaritans, to help tackle this. Um, and then, like you know, the program now benefits sort of millions of people. So um, that that that's that that's how that started. Then. Um, 
couple of years ago, obviously, with the impact of COVID and George Floyd murder um, and other inequalities at that time in the summer of 2020 on ethnic minority um, uh, uh, population in the the UK. basically what we noticed there there was a couple couple of key messages one is now is the time Mm -hmm. and uh, we've had these things before like Stephen Lawrence murder and other inequalities where you know no more type is is, is the message but it it carries on so there was there was this this wave and I guess you see on 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 social media and in the streets of demonstrations you know a lot of the UK um, uh, got together united so in the streets you had young old black white you know uh, all, all genders together for this one issue you know no 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 more no more for this and then you had companies all um you know saying you know uh, we must do more or black lives matter and having blackout tuesday so there, there was this energy but the, so we carried out some research and the majority of people thought there's real opportunity real hope something special in the air but the second kind of part of the thing was everyone's very concerned if we don't do it now it will ne- we'll never have this chance again in our lives um, so um, what's, um, what, what became clear is there started to become will, but there was no skill. No one knew what to do because mm. organizations and others have been tackling inequalities, you know, for, for lots uh, of different gender, race, et cetera. But the, 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 the progress has been very slow. So, you know, there wasn't a benchmark. We, do. we asked people, can you name an organization that's good for race equality? Uh, and this is corporates, uh, not-for-profits, government organization, etc. And the majority could not name a single one. And then those that could name any could only typically name one. And this is like from 400 interviews. And were you asking people that came from a, a minority ethnic background that, that question? Because I suppose, that, is that part of it? I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a white man and I guess, you know, I have fallen into the trap in the past of seeing things through my own um, kind of spectacles, I suppose. And yeah, I've said yeah, to a yeah. friend of mine who who is black, and I said once, mm. completely naively, I realise now, but, you know, I love London. It's such a, a melting pot. We, You know, everyone yeah. just kind of gets on. And she quite rightly said, Sam, you're a white man. You know, I was like, right, okay. Yeah. And, and it's, is there a kind of a sense of that when yeah. you're kind of running these types of surveys or asking mm. these kind of questions that everyone's got a, probably a different perspective? I think that's at the heart of it. That's fundamentally absolutely right. So quite interesting. Um, so yeah, so like at senior lead, lead level and especially like, you know, so the not-for-profit or the charity sector, you know, it's typically, you know, I guess it's, it's you know, before it would even typically male and white. Mm. And I guess it's, you know, there's more gender representation, but there's very rarely, um, you know, any colour at the table. Mm. So, like, you know, with, with, with a, 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 you know, the spectacles and the lens, like you mentioned, how can people, um, and I'd say the charity sector is pretty middle class as well. Um, so, you know, that, that, that living in the melting pot, um, you know, how many, how, how many of them leaders have experienced it, you know, mm. um, being brought, you know, so they can see the inequalities themselves. I, I think gender and disability um, are more, people are more comfortable with because, you know, people are, you know, are, live in families and communities with women. And then, you know, more, you know, we, we know about disabilities, whether it's friends, family, colleagues, et cetera. So it's, you know, but for a lot of people, they don't, don't experience. So, so yeah, how can you make decisions as a judge or identify the real issues if you don't know uh and you're one reading one book or one news article is not enough you need to be as i said in that melting point living and breathing with everyone and feeling them pain and i think that's what the george floyd murder did everyone sort of kind of suddenly felt it and then came up i think on one level speaking for myself i think it was um on one level it was horrendous to see a human being being treated in that way and praying to his mother 
you know, and, and regardless of his race, I mean, obviously race was a, was a massive factor of that, wasn't it? No, I, I agree. And I think, no, absolutely. And it, it, it was a human issue, 100%. Um, mm. And then again, you know, more recently, you know, and it does affect the show, it was child Q. Mm. The, the but in it, though, is would, you know, and we know, you know the George Floyd incident or the child Q incident, if the person was not ethnic minority, mm. would that have happened? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's so it's a human issue. So so and this is this is the challenge. You know those with you know li- we 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 say yeah, lived experience. You know, they're seeing and feeling this every day. We we speak to um you know um, families that tell you know I guess it's what we don't realise behind the scenes is you know I tell my children not to stand on street corners. But you know black children, mm. black 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 family. You know etc. I, I you know and then people say you know as soon as I see the police come to me, you know I just basically put my hands up. You know that's what they have wow. to do to protect to protect themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know it it, it you know, once they're in this or you know and again it was um spoke to a, a gentleman a day he said you know when i um go through the shop um mm. you know i i you know I always make sure i get the receipt because uh, and he, he says i go shopping in a suit well um, okay because it, because the security guards will naturally go on to a certain type of person mm. uh, and then color is what what one one of the key factors so going back to the thing who did we ask and everything yeah so we, there was three key groups of people we asked so one was senior leaders mm-hmm. and they were typically going to be you know um you know white persuasion then there were what we call race network leaders in organizations so typically you know, um race networks in organizations so it's the typical right. leaders of them so you know they, they, they they're hearing and feeling what their colleagues are feeling all the time mm-hmm. and then the others were what are called dni and race experts so they could be agencies individuals etc so so um yeah what we got there, there was a slight difference in 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 in, in the feedback but in, in general the understanding was you know, it was a negative experience you know and disadvantage you know organizations are well at entry level and I think charity sector does quite well at that you know the, the, uh, more diverse. But as you go up the thing, um, thing there's no there's no people like me. That's the feedback we get. Mm. So you know they're, 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 it's quite interesting just looking at third sector and other things now. You know you see CEO, new CEO, um, or CEO stepping down, new CEO coming in. And you know I, I'm going to say 19 out of 20. You know um, I, I do see more women on there, but it's always mm. a white person. How do we change that? Uh, and you know I, I know charities are really struggling. So we speak to some charities that really struggle to engage with ethnic minority population now mental health um, uh, you know, minor samaritans you know etc but it's because that you know the, the charities uh, aren't trusted they don't see people like me or you don't understand my challenges you know you haven't lived my experience to understand it and that, that's the difficulty so what we wanted to do so we heard this but people didn't know what to do mm. so what we wanted to do was actually so we created uh, as a not-for-profit race equality matters that's why it's born and it's a community so we wanted to keep that sort of that, that energy and the people uniting together so, so that, that, that's what it, but, but, um, you know, I say for 10% of the time, we, 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 we highlight the negative issues, but you know, the percentage are affected by racism or microaggressions or inequality in the workplace, you know, the, the stats aren't, so we, we don't produce reports because you've heard it all before right. what we do. Okay. What's the barrier, the problem, how do we solve it? So what we do, we co-create solutions to tackle one of the race issues with those with lived experience. What kind of examples of that have you had over the last couple of years? So, um, so it's, 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 I think the beauty about it is um, the, the solutions are all very different. So mm-hmm. some organisations might be doing good in one space and others not. So a really, um, and I find it quite inspiring, um, 
So when we run a solution collaboratively, an idea that came up, why can't we keep this uniting of people going together, this energy going? So we do know we had Black History Month coming up. Yeah. Um, but the, the general feedback is, we, you know, our organization will do Black History Month and then that'll be it. put it back in a box for a year and then we'll do, you know, every 12 months. So, you know, obviously in the summer, it was in May, June, we had the de de demonstrations in, in July. Mm -hmm. And then so and that's why, you know, by just doing one of these um, solution collaboratories with those elixirs, we came up. Well, that's where Race Equality Week was born. Uh, and it was decided to keep to do it in February because you had Black History Month in October. But what we, what was really important, people said, look, we stopped talking about it. You know, race should be three, six, five. Right. But not yeah. once a year. So what we thought is, uh, you know, you, you do race um, Black History Month and then actually there's three months um, and then organizations can start preparing for Race Equality Week. So it keeps it on the agenda and on the table. Mm. Um, that, 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 that was important but it's quite true we spoke to some senior leaders and, and other people said oh we do race equality week we've been involved in it for years it was so obvious people thought it existed right it, okay it, it doesn't so when we coming up with this idea we kept googling it me, me and, a, and a colleague you know this year for over three weeks yeah i'm sure race equality week exists in the uk it's so obvious yeah and and, and it's built on again it's, it's you know it's nothing you know we know the impact mental health awareness week makes we know the impact Breast Cancer Awareness Month makes. We know the impact International Women's Day makes. So, so but there wasn't anything for race. Right. Um, and Black History Month is about looking in the past. Really important, acknowledging where we come from. But Race mm. Equality Week is all about um, going forward. And it's meant to be a, it's not a, a week. It's meant to be a catalyst. So what a lot of organizations is launching their plan for the year or showcasing or highlighting the differences made so it's keeping the staff informed mm -hmm. um in, in, in what's happening another um thing that came out from it is is from our from our research yeah, about the impact of getting people's names wrong yeah and i noticed when we were coming onto this call that you've got the phonetic spelling of your yep. first name javed and, and i know um we'd spoke before but i've i've had it with other um well people in my life but also mm. contributors to the podcast well i've mispronounced names and while that's been kind of, you know, um, seemingly kind of, you know, accepted as, you know, one of those things and I've been correct and it's been fine. I, I, I always feel a bit embarrassed doing that. You know, what, what is the answer to that? I mean, is it simply asking how people say their names? Yeah, yes, in one sense. Um, absolutely. So, so, so we, we carried out. Um, so, and it reflects the, re the research we carried out. So, it, it, we we ask ethnic minority um, community, uh, is your name regularly mispronounced? And seventy three percent said yes. So that that was that, and then what what impact does it have on you? And it was like forty three percent said um, it made them feel disrespected. Right. Uh, others felt it made it made us feel like we don't belong there. Uh, mm. um, and, 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 and others thought they were people rude or people were lazy. Yeah, just not not, not right. But going back to your your point, is it so? So all all it said is is it's kind of like just 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 check how do I say your name? There, there's two ways. So uh, and we have an organisation that they did a brilliant project, and um, there were three what I call angle names and one more challenging name. And, and the, the CEO came down to everyone and um, said, "Well done, Susan. Um, well done, David. And well done, Rebecca. Absolutely brilliant." Uh, and then the the the, 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 the colleague um, with a more um, unfamiliar name, the CEO said, "Well done, you." Right. So straight away, they're being excluded from that group. And you can imagine, and one thing is, is actually how people get up in their careers, opportunities. So when the CEO is to go, okay, have a new project, they'll go, I remember Rebecca, mm. or I remember Susan. Let's get them to work on this. But, but they won't know the name of the other person. And so actually saying the name is, I suppose, it's, it's the beginnings of building a relationship and yep. understanding of that person, isn't it? And I, yep. I suppose playing devil's advocate a bit, that CEO 
potentially didn't say the name because they felt embarrassed, but yeah. that's not enough, is it? It's not yeah. enough to hide behind that embarrassment and say, yeah. you know, I, I'm not used to saying that name, so I'm not going to say it. hundred percent. Yeah. We, 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 you know, we all have fears of, of, of stumbling, etc. Yeah, et yeah. I, I think just in, in, so this is, this is a personal opinion, but I, I find it quite interesting. You know, all these organizations, you know, getting the top hundred um, diver, um, inclusion index or, you know, awards for this and, and that, you know, you know, and, and let's say they're doing some good stuff, but I always think about, you know, you've got, um, I've been interviewing some um, uh, young people from um, Aston University um, mm. and, um, you know, uh, uh, diverse um, backgrounds. And you can imagine, you imagine, let's say one of them got a job in an organization, you know, uh, quite, quite young person, 21. And then they, you know, on day one, um, what, and this is generally happens all the time. Um, the person says, look, your name's a bit difficult. Can we call you Rose? And it's nothing like right, it, yeah. you know, to say a Chinese lady yeah. or, um, you know, someone's got a name and they, can we abbreviate it? Mm. Or they will, so, so, you know, or they could, they could introduce you know, me and said, right, um, you know, here's Javed, you know, right. and then actually, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, it's my day one, it's my first job. Am I going to challenge this important person, you know, mm. senior person? Mm. And if everyone calls me Javed or everyone calls that the person Rose or the nickname. So from day one, these inclusive organizations are getting someone's name wrong yeah and and and, and it goes back to that respect so all they had to do was look hi, uh, uh, is it javed and i'd go no it's not it's not it's not javed and, and all that other lady you know um she she was um uh chinese um heritage and they said they could say look they shouldn't have said can we call you rose they said how do you pronounce your name or how do you like to be called yeah um and what we do hear from a lot of people i would just you know so they, people will abbreviate their name to make it easy yeah um but actually what will happen what we're now noticing in organizations that are, are running this um my name isn't going phonetic so mm. so we're hearing these incredible stories someone will go you know um i, I is your you know looking at your phonetic spelling it reads like x mm. i've been calling you y and then the person goes yeah my name is x and they go three years i've been calling him. why didn't you tell me and this is well it, you know it's happened all my life etc like that and then that 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 happens quite regularly and then what we're seeing now the the, the 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 people are saying look um so there's one one fantastic guy you know who, who's uh, he's got a video on our website in in yay um uh victor garrick now he in the work he started applying for jobs to name victor his middle name because he's more anglo and he was getting job interviews so there was that 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 big difference, and in the workplace he's called Victor. But now because of this this campaign, he's 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 claimed back his original, you know, his first name. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, and yeah. he's but he's what he's noticing is colleagues are now regularly check whenever they come across someone, they're checking how do I say your name or how do you like to be called. Mm. So I, I see on here you're Samuel Davies. Now it's your choice to tell me call me Samuel or call me Sam. That's your choice. Absolutely. So I, so I say how 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 do you like to to, to be called? And mm. then there's a difference between you correcting me. Because and that, that has an, and that's what people stop doing it or versus me giving you permission to correct me. So Sam, how do I say your name? Or Samuel, how do I say your name? So yeah. it, it changes the dynamics. So going back to the bit you said at the beginning about respect, it is a simple, just ask someone, how would you like to be called? Mm. And mm. then if it becomes, it should become part of the DNA of an organization. It's very normal. So you, you know, if you're, you know, if you're chairing a meeting, you know, what we're asking is people, so when we get their names, you get their names, you get their job title, maybe their organisation they're from, you know, the mm. chair in this meeting. But why can't we get their phonetic spelling? So in that room, you know, that, that they don't. And we have, you know, the, the experience is if someone's got more challenging name in that room, they will be asked less for their opinion.
so the, this this respect thing so if i if i know um so there's a, there's a wonderful lady who, who's involved in this with me called amma afrifa chi now i would never get her name right by reading it but right. she gave it gave it to me phonetically and i you know i think i can say it quite comfortably now but you know in a meeting i i may not go to her because of this um you know of something like but I'm at the beginning just asking checking how I say her name then that gives me the confidence to involve her and then she has you know she's a really inspiring lady and she's from she's from um, the charity sector hmm. um uh, she's a really inspiring lady but you know her voice will be lost if you know we didn't engage in 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 that way and I suppose as a kind of a the building of the muscle of how to pronounce yeah. different names as well because I guess if if we I think a lot of people, uh, certainly people that we've spoken to on the podcast, there seems to be a consensus among them that, you know, and as as with the producers on the show, that we want a more um, equal and diverse sector. And so if we really do want that, then part of that building the muscles to really encourage and incorporate that, I suppose that could start at, you know, getting into the habit of asking how to pronounce people's names and you build that into your kind of lexicon into your skill set don't you 100 percent. i think change is possible so you know uh, so two years ago you know i remember working on a program to encourage flexible working you know flexible working most of us okay if you want to work from home one day a month sam you can that was mm -hmm. the definition of flexible yeah, working. yeah you know, absolutely or, or it's not possible we need people at desk and all this stuff and, and disadvantage yeah, yeah. those with disabilities and especially carers and mm -hmm. you know, women returners mm -hmm. but interestingly you know you, you then had um you know um, and you know i was i was using zoom but no one had heard of zoom at the time you know and, and i can't remember about teams but yeah. um you know we didn't do much of this uh video conferencing type thing but then you're locked down then within two weeks you know we all we're all using zoom yeah and, and everything yeah. and it goes back to that muscle it's natural so when i used to call people you know if you call someone then you say look hey do you want zoom or do you want teams it became natural but mm. the, you know if i said to you before lockdown should we do zoom teams you go no i'd rather can we meet or you know the old style so, so it is it is just we have to change and it becomes natural uh but the, the beauty about it is if you start seeing everyone doing it you kind of then you become the the minority in I don't check people's names. Mm, so yeah. we that's what we're all about creating these movements of energy. And then what you know what we're now showcasing is organisations. Um, so Transport for Wales, who won the first to do it, yeah, they're now um, they're quite um, they're going to all their corporate um uh, partners and corporate uh, partnerships they're t sharing this program so they you know throughout wales and beyond even the the transport industry they're getting it and their transport for london have now heard about it because of transport for wales mm. so you know and you know in london transport for london you know there's lots of people um for different backgrounds so you know and you ask any of them they're all people always get their names wrong so this could be quite revolutionary but it is all about that memory muscle where it becomes we don't think about it anymore yeah it becomes yeah. natural so i think it's a really good um uh, definition sam is, is your experience then do you feel that there is a genuine desire mm. for a more equal sector and, and, and potentially a more equal society obviously the, the charities in the sector that are doing the work a lot of those missions appear to want a more equal society a fairer society or is there is there an element of virtue signaling is that too cynical quite i was literally asked by a, um, um, uh, a media um, outlet Early this week, same question, but regards to the corporate sector. Right. So, uh, so it's it's, it's, it's on everyone. So it's, it's a brilliant question, and yeah, quite quite. So I'd say back in um you know after you know back in the summer of 2020, there was lots of activity and lots of noise. You know, charities, you know, do, 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 doing this and that. There was a lot of virtue PR gesturing, and actually, when we carried out our research, those with lived experience, like like you said, you know, they were very upset and angry. Yeah. of all these black squares or black was it black blackout shoes, etc. Um, mm. and you know, um. I would say there was a mixture. There was quite, a, you know, senior leaders in the charity sector and others was, you know, there was a bit of a will for change. 
but there was that we don't know what to do. There was a skill, and I, I know there were some reports and charters and you know, top tips created by different organisations and umbrella organisations sector. Um, and, and, but but you've you've kind of had and, and we know lots of organisations signed charters or they some even created action plans or did training for their staff. But our question is, the charter you signed or the training you, you know, provider you got here, where's the evidence that it's made a difference? Mm. You know, so so if there's evidence, absolutely do it. But why pay all this money where this organisation say, look, we've trained a hundred organisations, but it's made no difference, or you know, a hundred charters, hundred hundred organisations signed a charter, but has there been change? So that, so I think what people, it's a you know tick box exercise. Yeah, we've done this, we've done this. You know, we've done lunch and learns with with, with our staff and got people to talk. The key thing is all about the action plan going forward. What are we going to do? And then, like any other business priority having measures, are we making progress? So all these organizations that said we'll do more, create an action plan. What's happened? This is now 18 months on. What's happened? And I think that's the key thing. So I, I'd be quite, I, and I, you know, I, I, you know, read Third Sector and other social media and everything like that. I've seen very, I've heard a lot of stuff at the beginning. We, you know, we've signed up to this ch- uh, charity charter for race or we, you know, we're involved in this and everything. Um, and I know there's a brilliant, um, I think it was, I can't remember, it was called, I think they used a BAME fundraising event about yeah. 12 months ago, which, you know, I'm going to say more people than ever attended. And I think it's one of the big charities encourage all staff to attend it, which was brilliant. Mm. But my question is, what's happened since then? Has mm. there been change? So if you go back to those with lived experience, are, are, are they noticing change? So I think it, it, there, there's, I think it, it kind of it starts diluting the further when it becomes to becoming meaningful action and being accountable and transparency. I think that's where where where, where it dies, and and that's same in, in both the charity sector and the corporate sector. And that's why we, I think race quality matters was created. We don't do we we don't do reports or charters because others do that. Mm-hmm. What we do is is great solution, and what we're hearing is organisation. These are charities, not for profits, and uh, corporates. When they run one of our solutions, it's been game changing in there uh and it's it's like listen and i think it's success because they've done something and it's worked the organization wants to do more what we're hearing is that oh we've tried race type thing it doesn't work here or we're not ready for it there's always an excuse uh but it might be um that's why we do the guide so we do something called safe space but if you go through our guide other organizations do safe space but our, our guide initially when we did it is how to do it there were six steps hmm. but when we, we when we developed it with those with experience you know, said you can't get from step four to step five so we insert a step so actually ironically there's 11 steps now 10 right. steps would be perfect for marketing purposes there's 11 <laughs> steps and we'd say organizations if they do a safe space mm-hmm. if you don't do 11 steps it won't work and the important thing we should call it something different like safe space. the difference is it's not just talking in in, in this, this environment and actually this, this is about ethnic minority colleagues and top table it's a special um unique thing so the senior leaders like talk about you know from privileged backgrounds and not experience it they can hear the real voices but the important thing is hear the voices but then take action. Mm. What happened in the last 18 months has been a lot of talking and, and listening circles, but no, nothing's changed in an organisation. Is there an element, do you think, in some quarters of people thinking it's enough to listen, to read the books, to understand it? That that's my part. I understand it. Therefore, I'm not anti-racist. Is that, you know, or, or you know, I, I stand for yeah. equality. I stand with you because I understand it. And that's yeah. enough. Is there yeah. that kind of vibe? Absolutely. And it's quite interesting. So I, I, I hadn't myself heard of the words for anti-racist a few years ago. 
you know, it's really recurrent. Yeah. So, so, mm-hmm. so there is, yeah. So, so what there was that you're racist or not racist, mm-hmm. and then picking up what you said, and then now there's anti-racist. So there's a difference. So, so the majority of people will be not racist, but it's passive. Yeah. So yeah. I don't do anything fancy, bit, bit, bit like I said. But actually, for my for my research, what what was quite interesting is so calling out racism in the workplace. Mm. So the, the 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 way it's it's gone over time. So initially, the person affected would call, you know, would, would challenge, and by default, it's a negative outcome for them. Yeah, you know, they they be the one that have to leave the organisation, or they be moved departments. So, that, so you're not going to call it out. Then the, how how it's developed after that is um, their peers, um, you know, um, with living experience, call it out. So hey hey. Um, you know, this is this happened, but again, negative negative impact. What what's come through from our research is actually is this is where the allies come mm. come to the table. So actually, if something's inappropriate happening, it's not for those with lived experience uh, or those experience it. It's, it's it's for an ally. And there's a really brilliant um, 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 thing I heard the other day where there was, there, there, it was like top three tiers in an organisation, and it might have been I can't remember the exact name of this. It might have been a charity. But what is it? So, so, so it was in the boardroom and they had lots of people there. There was one um, black person in there and the rest were, you know, were, were white. But it was like they were standing, people standing. Mm-hmm. And what, what whoever was chairing it, it, it um, this lady said, actually, um, she noticed um, there's too many, there's loads of people here. Wow, I didn't expect so many, etc. But then she said, to, uh, oh, to, to the person um, who, who was black, oh, you haven't got an agenda item. Do you, do you mind le- not, not being, you know, there's too many of us here leaving the room. And then we'll, we'll share the notes. Fine. But then um, a, 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 a white colleague then said, I haven't got anything on gender. Why haven't you asked me to leave? And then he left with the room, but no one else did it. It's active ally. What have you mm. done? So it's, mm. it, 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 it's calling. Or if someone got someone's name wrong, it's, it's for you know, the ally to say, hey, 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 Sam, you're calling her fan. You know, it's not I, I fan, it's her fan sort of thing. So, so it's basically taking the, um, and, and this has been really common from all the people who speak. So actually, People are tired and, and they're, they're seen as, you know, the blank, angry black woman or man, mm, et cetera, mm. uh, or they're the troublemaker or the chip and shoulder. So actually what we need is the allies to take action. And how important is it? So in those scenarios, how important do you think it is for the ally to deliver that, that information? Should that be done, do you think, in a kind of a very clear, you know, no, you've got that wrong. Mm. It's not, or or could it be done with an element of levity, or does that then kind of dilute the points? You know, if, if instead of saying that, saying like, well, actually, I made that mistake, but actually, it's you know, and then saying the name, that's right, isn't it? And and actually, kind of bring them in, but is or is that kind of almost giving them too clear an opt out? The person that's made the mistake, yeah, kind of. I guess I guess it's cultural organization. So a lot of organizations, you know, we got zero tolerance policy to to um, microaggressions or racism. Mm. So zero tolerance. So actually, in that sense, so if something happens, if it's a zero tolerance, you don't do it. Yeah. You know, and I'll go back to, you know, um, uh, you know, um, say, say, you know, and it's still happening. But, you know, years ago, you know, you'd have um, inappropriate um, an organism. We've got zero tolerance to, um, uh, you know, gender inequality and sexual harassment. And then, mm. but, you know, mm. you had this meeting, then you, people leave in the room. And I've, I've heard this from a person I really respect. He says, you know, he, 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 he did this talk at this event. And then he sees you know, a couple of men pinching a couple of women. And people saw it. But no one said anything about it. So that's mm. not zero tolerance. Mm. That means it's acceptable. That's tolerance, isn't it? Everyone's yeah. just accepting it. Oh, that's yeah. the way things are. Yeah. So, but I, I do think that, yeah, there is, it, it, you know, it, it is uncomfortable to, to challenge. But what, what you want to do is actually becomes normalized. So actually, if someone says something, you know, I, I, you know, I, I call them out. If someone else says something, you call them out. So actually in, in an organization, people know I cannot say this. And there was a really good example. Uh, one one com- 
one 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 organization they they, they there was there was again it was one black person in the room and there was a client and the client they, they were saying something and the client said oh you know uh you know uh so so flippantly you know um you know it's it, it, it's it's and they used the n-word in that room mm, oh gosh yeah uh there's about 11 people in the room but not one other person who all white said anything so to me, the message is it's saying the client's more important than the individual. Going back to the human thing. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. so that, that's not zero tolerance. That's accepting it. And I suppose in that scenario, um, you know, it's zero tolerance would, would be at the very least saying, you know, you've just said that word. We don't um, believe that's okay to say. Yep. And yeah. uh, I, I want to make a note of that for the minutes or something yeah, like yeah. that in this meeting or something like that, if it's an external person. Yeah. Um, or, or even, you know, considering whether to work with that person in the yep. future, if they're a supplier or something. And, and that's, where your, that's where your power is, the story, power of the story. So now scenario one, which really happened, you know, this person would have gone back to the colleagues. This is what happened. You know, so all the ethnic minority colleagues are going to think, mm. you know, it's true. This is a bad organization. They will tend their community their families friends scenario two which you said you know the person was called out this person would have then gone back to the community hey did you know i was in that meeting first time ever someone's called it out this mm. is a really important client they've done that that goes back so can you see the different so, so actually i want to work for this organization yeah yeah absolutely you know um so you know as young people the millennials the millennials uh, or the generals say are really keen on dni in a, in a workplace and mental health in the workplace and mm. social responsibility. so what they want to go so i you know they should be asking things so to so tell us examples when you've dealt with racism or sexism or whatever like that they want to be able to tell these stories of course not not we got a policy or we do this or we do training you know, what, show us real life what's actually happened and your 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 example is that will that, that to me I, I i will hear i hear your story from one in ten companies so nine companies aren't do it, dealing with it mm. i've got to admit the n-word isn't coming out as much but other in a in, you know um yeah again like oh let, let's get you know um you get it in gender let's get um you're asking the woman to make the teas and the coffees for the people no matter what her level is just because of, of that so you need people to say no actually you know or i'm the junior if, if you're gonna do that route, you know, i'll do it you know she, she's actually the ceo there's a sense of being complicit in in racism and I, I'm sure I can think of occasions where I've come home from whatever it is whether it's a work thing or a, a non-work thing and there, there are things that play on my mind I guess regrets that I've got in the, in my past and a lot of those regrets are usually about standing up and saying you shouldn't do that to somebody you know being on a train and, and seeing somebody um behaving badly towards somebody else and not being involved and I, I guess there's a lot of fear in those moments isn't there whether that's in a kind of whether you're in a shirt and tie in a boardroom or whether you're on a train and you're seeing something there's a fear of how you're then going to be targeted or you know what's then going to come back on you but i guess may, maybe maybe we need to be a bit more heroic and maybe it shouldn't even be this way should it that you know it's it's a hard thing to do but in if being kind of um, the people in our organisation to to just stand up and uh, and say something, and that will encourage others, and then it becomes a norm, doesn't it? I think it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's kind of I call it your early adopters, you know, your your, your trailblazers that that, that becomes because you know, as we're asked, organisations doing good, what be fantastic, you know? Let's pick on the chat set if if we're going to say you know organisation X or Y are doing this, 
but you know they would have gone through that uncomfortable thing that you said but mm-hmm. they, they, they do it and then become them and an, an interesting thing that um we've co-created uh and, and the original idea came uh from um network rails um race network called cultural fusion and it's called tea break and the idea and, and it sort of helps with the how do i deal with a situation it basically it they, you, you pick on a theme or a topic it's an hour discussion um, so what one big, really popular one is difference between microaggressions and banter. Mm-hmm. Big, 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 big issue. So what? They, so it, it's it's a kind of a and in in this Zoom Teams world, you know, you can be on there with a blank screen, nominous. So it's talked about, and then people contribute, saying saying what they think about it, what it's like, etc. So um, so, so someone says, you know. Um, yeah, so people say, well, actually, no, we do these jokes, and um, you know, Erfan and Tunjay you know, laugh at us. But then, what you're hearing from others, what, what, what you know, what is Erfan or Tunjay responding or not? No, we laugh because we feel we cannot be involved. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. But hearing these stories of your own colleagues, people, so your human side, then is actually, oh, okay. When I say this, or when I do that, or when I expect. One who, you know, I think that's what true true allies. You know, I understand. Um, you know, you or 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 your challenges issues. You know, how can I help? And mental health is a really good example now. You know, before mm-hmm. you see someone struggling, you walk past them, don't give them eye contact. You know, uh, but now we go up to, are you okay? If they say yes, you know, you told her, are you really okay? To, you know, just double check, and then mm-hmm. you know, then, then then suddenly that person's opening up, and then you can support them. You know, and again, same for, you know, um, um, if, if, you, know you, you hear someone, you, you think they might be upset. Are you OK? And they come out of a meeting, they go, yeah. And you just check, check, check with them. And they said, oh, oh, this is what happened. And you thought, why upset? Well, actually, you know, everyone's opinion was listened to. Mm. Or when I said something, it was kind of ignored. And then when, you know, Sam, you said it, but the, the boss said, great idea, Sam. But it was my idea. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's helping understand how we can step in. And I guess there's a there's also a kind of a selfish reason for that in a, in a, a way of looking at it might be um, because with all of these, and I mean, microaggressions that can be for lots of different things, mm, can't yeah. it? You know, you, people get bullied, people get picked on regard, whatever yeah. the color of their skin or whatever. Um, and so I suppose there's a, there seems to be a universal point here from my point of view that we need to do what's right and what's fair for other people because we could be that person one yep. day and we'd want other people to do that for us. Right. And kind of building it into our, yep. into our daily lives, I suppose. Yeah. It, it helps us all reframe how we interact with people. And then that benefits gender benefits, disability benefits, sexuality, because the culture changes, you know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it shouldn't be race inclusion or gender inclusion. It's inclusions. And I don't think it's inclusion. I think it should be belonging. Mm. Because yeah. I can include you in, in a meeting, but do you belong in that meeting? Mm. Or do you, sorry, do you feel like you belong in a meeting? So, mm. you know, we had diversity before. I call it people look different. But if, you know, and then you've got inclusion. But, you know, I, I, I've been invited to top table, but, you know, my opinion doesn't have the same weight as everyone else. Right. Uh, so, 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 but, so you know, by, by having that culture of you, we want you here. And, and that benefits everyone. But you, someone did tell us, and I do agree with it, if you can tackle race, you can tackle all issues because it's the most uncomfortable one for everyone. So, Javid, there's clearly much work to do before charities in the sector can represent itself as a model of race equality. Mm-hmm. We talk about underrepresentation in the workforce, uh, 
in terms of the beneficiary groups that are being supported by charities and and their feeling of belonging um, to, yeah. to those efforts. What steps would you like to see charities take over the next 12 months to start to rectify this? In, in principle, it's quite simple um, in the sense that there's, there's some key elements they need to do. And I wonder, are all organisations doing all these elements? So the first one I do, this is, again, my personal opinion, is data. You need to know where you are. You know how how can you make plans and decisions when you don't know your data? So you know, so you talked about you know the the beneficiaries. You know what is the market? You know, uh, especially reflecting the um, community or, or location it's in. Right. Yeah, so like you said, London is very multicultural compared to Cornwall. So it, it's it's being aware, aware of that. Uh, and but data data within your organisation and 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 also data can be how how do people feel? Do people feel they have a voice? Or, or so you identify the 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 race inequality issues for your organisation. So 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 once you've got that, you know what the problem is or the problems mm-hmm. are. Then it's actually having a plan of how to tackle it. And not say so don't tackle it all. It's focus, you know, it's getting quick wins of how can we start making difference. So some organizations may need, because they haven't got it, create a race network. You know, others need to do, um, but it's having this, this plan. And I guess, you know, try, treating it like a business priority. So whether you have smart objectives. Mm-hmm. I think the other important thing, we read quite a lot about the lack of investment. So, you know, quite a lot of people run these race networks in their own time. Right. You know, and they like have a hobby. Got, yeah. 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 And they they haven't they, they haven't got budget and you know if, if they want an expert to come in they have got no budget to pay an expert to come in mm-hmm. you know so 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 it's real um so the, you know does an organisation really care if it's not putting any money in it um, yeah, yeah so 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 show show your staff we really care about this you know, we've got budget and we've got to and actually you know we're going to recruit some or someone's going to have a post paid three days a week working on it. Right. As opposed to yeah. they're doing three days a week on top of their five 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 day job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other important thing is don't, don't expect your ethnic minority colleagues to have the answers. Quite often it's like, what can we do about this? You know, if if if, if everyone knew they it would have been solved before or something. Sure. So, and this is where the collaborate collaboration is important. Except mm-hmm. uh, all organisations have different issues as well. Um, so, so so so, but I think what you do is you have this plan, and then like you know, there needs to be a timeline, and you need to measure progress. So quite a lot of people have done these action plans, but you know, have they you know have they have they shared right? We're going to do X, Y, and Z activity, and we're going to measure it. And then one of the big things we've got is lack of transparency. So an organisation admitting to its staff, you know, we're not doing so well here, or you know, we said we're going to get to this level. Yeah, you know, we wanted you know twenty percent uh, recruited from an ethnic minority community by september we're only on 11 percent, and that's okay because that's where you are but so what we're going to do about it we're going to start doing it differently mm. so, so 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 it's having this real clear plan and measuring and reviewing progress and adapting so maybe something something you're kind of doing but then there's also um and what you need is senior leadership sponsorship sponsors so someone from top table being so like you know you're you're you're, you're if you're you know expanding to another country, you know some will have real responsibility. If you're if you're getting a new website interface with the with the with the public, you know someone's in charge. You know it's prob- treated mm. like a proper project. Yeah. And then also um, have have a committee, and the committee should be mixed, and it should, should be quite often it lands on HR or DNI to do it. You know mm. they they couldn't should be in the committee, but also should be people from ethnic minority um, heritage. Uh, and, and a senior leader so it's treated like a prop, proper project so i think if an organization you know has this proper plan and then you know get expert um, advice from outside you know, we're planning to do this will this make a difference so yeah, so doing certain training it's okay but there need to be other elements on it but a lot of organizations we've done the training we've trained for ten thousand staff which sounds brilliant we spent a you know, hundred thousand pounds whatever it was 
but it's not made a difference because it ends then. So yeah, and 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 Wales got something that's called a race three six five. Yeah, it's an every it's a, it's all year round. We shouldn't just be doing these you know pop up things. But I think organisations, if they have that focus and they collaborate, learn from each other. Mm. Don't work, you know. Don't and I do another charity that's trying to get together. But I think you should think outside your sector because I think the charity sector is stuck in some areas. But you know that's why race quality matters. We've got charity sector, we've got local authorities, we've got sort of financial services, and they're all doing different things brilliantly. What we're trying to do is pull these little elements of success together to create like the perfect way forward. Javid Thomas, thank you for contributing to Charity Chats. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time, and um, yeah, good luck with everyone. And yeah, if if if, if you've got the will. Um, take action uh, and the big thing we've heard from people is action not just words thank you a big thank you to javid thomas for sharing his knowledge and expertise with us Speaking with Javid got me thinking about the consequences of people pronouncing names incorrectly and how this can lead to a feeling of being disrespected and people literally being excluded. We heard from Javid a couple of examples of this and I know that I've been guilty of this in the past or at least not made the effort to ask how someone pronounces their name. While it's reasonable to take a stab at trying to pronounce a name we haven't come into contact with before, how hard is it to pluck up the courage to ask someone how to say their name and then make an effort to say it properly and in the, in the way that they ask us to? Many of us, and I include myself in this, haven't had the indignity of being called by a name that isn't ours, but I'm sure that those of us who haven't can guess what it must be like Uh, for those who have. This isn't a hard behaviour to change and the possibility this poses to incrementally build a more inclusive or as Javid said belonging environment means that it's crucial for us to adopt this as a new norm. The skills and experiences we have, the courage we have to seek out to actively live out the changes we want to see across our society. The passivity of not being racist isn't enough in a world where racism is clearly thriving, allowed by the status quo and those of us who don't stand up and say it's not right. We all need to understand how we can step in and challenge racism and microaggressions. A first step in doing this is working to understand what these look like and then learning the things we can do when we witness it. Listening to this conversation might be one of those first steps, but in order to truly live as an active ally of anti-racism, we need to keep on moving forward and not resting on our laurels. Javid reminded us that there are benefits for organisations to demonstrate their anti-racism and the efforts they go to to create belonging. The growing value of anti-racist and inclusive business cultures can be measured both by recruitment and well-being surveys and the growing importance to charity funders, as we've discussed on the podcast before. Reports and charters are not enough. Charities need to do more to bring about a more equal sector and a more equal world. As Javid said, it's uncomfortable to challenge, but we need to normalise this. Our sector is built on kindness, that's for sure, but also a willingness to challenge the norms and add power to the voices wanting progress and change. We need to get our organisations to a place where they can give examples of when they've called out or dealt with racism, where a business priority is given to creating a culture of belonging and where funding is invested into it, not just asking ethnic minority colleagues in your organisations to find the answers for your organisation, 
as a nice-to-have hobby. Most importantly, we need to measure progress individually, organisationally and as a sector. When we're doing this, we can truly shift the dial in the short and long term and achieve what many of us would put our hand up for, a diverse and welcoming charity sector championing equality, diversity and inclusion. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good, a fundraising platform which helps charities streamline and unlock small business sales fundraising via a supporter-friendly digital commercial participation solution so that small but mighty businesses can fundraise for causes they love and charities can maximise this awesome, sustainable source of income. I'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And of course, Forrester Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.